Hey guys, it's back. It's Pip Talk. Um, episode two. I will be interviewing a guy that has osteogenesis imperfecta. His name is Brandon, and I will be asking him a few questions and implying my wife included with that. So here are some about answers and questions. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. So um, I'm gonna do a little few questions with um your interview and you can ask me a few questions if you want okay okay so how old are you i am 21 okay and um how do you like being 21 do you feel like you have a lot of freedom uh past i i still have some restrictions in certain areas but it's definitely a lot more freeing than let's say when i was in high school Right. Yeah. Same here. Um. So, what type do you have? I have types three and four. Okay. Uh, like so what? Here. What side effects? Like, well, instead of having a broken, like just broken bones, what other prob or situations do you have that? Uh. So I have short stature. Um. Uh, I'm unable to walk. Um. I have a barreled rib cage, so that's just like a round shaped rib cage. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't have any issues with hearing or sight, thankfully. That's good. Yeah, I know a lot of people do, and I have problems with hearing, so that's good. Um, what about your respiratory, like your heart? Oh, uh, yes, also, I I did have scoliosis. I had a a surgery a couple months ago, um, okay. but that caused a lot of lung issues. Um, like I was having trouble breathing. I have uh, sleep apnea because of it, um, and I also used. Well, I, I don't know if I still do or not, but I was diagnosed with uh, bachelor imagination. Okay, so can you explain more the bachelor? Um, Innovate. What is it called again? I'm sorry. Basilar. B.I., right? Yeah, B.I. Yes, and because I know a lot of people with that condition can get with that, and I think some people don't like to talk about that. If you're willing to explain maybe what that is, that would be yeah, great. Of yeah, of course. Um, so for, it affects people on different levels. Um, so worst case scenario, it can end up causing uh, paralysis or loss of, like, involuntary functions, like simply breathing or think, uh, or just, you know, stuff you would do without even needing to think about it, like moving a muscle or something. Um, it can, that's worst case. Um, other things, it, it can cause uh, vertigo, dizziness, extreme headaches, um, loss of balance, blur- blurry vision. Um, so have you gone? Have you had symptoms of that? Uh, so I kind of, I kind of get vertigo. Um, my main symptom is headaches. I, I have severe headaches. Like it's really bad pain. Um, I had the surgery to fix it, except I'm like some of the symptoms from it are still lingering. I'm assuming they will. For another few months, still, because I had. 
Okay, so um, isn't it from like your right in your back, right above your vertebrae? Isn't that where it affects? Yeah, it's it's um the... like from your you like your brain to like your neck bone. Yeah, right. The the cervical spine. So that's like yeah, where your neck is. It kind of puts pressure on your brainstem. Okay. Yeah. So what they had to do was um, kind of separate my head from my cervical spine, so they kind of like had to stretch out my neck, basically, and then fuse it there and keep it in place. So how has that affected? Is it better now since you have the surgery, or is it the same uh, or worse? The the headaches. Uh, it really depends on the day. They can be better, and there's some days where it's just unbearable. Um, I'm still waiting on an answer for that from my surgeon. I sh- should have seen him in May, um, but because of the whole pandemic, COVID. yeah, I couldn't see him. Um, so hopefully soon, we'll get some answers. Yes. That. So how do you manage the headaches when they do occur? Uh. For some reason, laying down gives pretty quick relief, um, but okay. I have to, like, stay laying down for a little while so that when I sit up, it doesn't just come rushing back. Right. Um, but if, right. if it's too bad, uh, I have uh, a couple pain medications that I can take. Okay, that's good. Uh, that was really good. Um, what is Who is your biggest support? Uh... <clears throat> I guess my biggest would be my mom, but uh, to be honest, it's really just everyone in my life, all my friends, family. But my mom right. had, was there for me uh, the entire time. I was going through all this in the hospital and all that. She was there the whole time. So how? So has she adapted? Has she felt like? Does she understand? Some, how can I say this? Does she know how to adapt with the problems you've been through uh, easily? Yeah, sometimes much better than I do. Like when I uh, have my days and I'm struggling, she she's usually the one to coach me, give me advice, uh, give me a little pick me up. I guess you could say. Right. That yeah, that's always good. Um, to have you know, there's always got to be that one person you can go to or have that bigger support throughout your whole entire life and. So that's a very good person, your mother. Um, what is some what's your living situation like? So I live in a bi level home. So that's like it's two floors with um a staircase to get up to the second floor, but there's a landing in the middle of the staircase. Um thankfully I'm able to climb up the stairs. I like I said, I can't walk but I can like push myself up the stairs. In, a, in like a backwards motion, right? Um, so but I live on the downstairs. I have my own bedroom, bathroom, um, my own kind of like kitchenette. That's like a mini kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I need help with anything, I have my mom, my dad, and my three little sisters that are actually all really big help when I need it. Right. Um. So, are you able to cook on your own? Uh, for the mo- most part? Unfortunately, no. Unless you count microwaving a uh, a cooking skill. <laughs> well, I mean, so in, with guys, you know, guys, most guys don't like to cook either. So it's not just with the condition either. Oh, well, actually, are you... 
What? I, no? I would actually love to cook. It's just um, like the stove and the oven are upstairs, and I can't bring mm-hmm. my wheelchair up there to reach it. Why? Right. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and so are you able to like transfer in and out of bed and stuff like that? Yes. Um, my I actually don't have the bed frame. It's just a mattress on the floor, so I can okay. I can kind of get myself on my bed the same way I would a stair, um, or my wheelchair even as well. Right. So, so when you when the floor's on the bed, because I'm trying to picture this, do you use your wheelchair to transfer? Or are you already on the ground? Uh, to go to my bed, I'm already on the ground. Yeah, I put okay. I put my wheelchair in. Okay, well, we call what I what I just said was the kitchenette. It's technically like the mudroom. I don't know if you know what that is. Yes. Yep. Um. So I leave my wheelchair there, and then I can scoot on the ground. Is what I call okay. it. Okay. Um, and then I can scoot to my room, my bed, uh, anything I need. Uh, from my bathroom, I have a walk-in shower, so it's just a little bit of lip that I can push myself over easily. Right. Uh-huh. And then uh, for the toilet, I have like custom stairs that were built that I could push myself up. Oh, that's good. That's very. I was wondering about that. I didn't know. I didn't want to ask that because some people may feel comfortable, you know, uncomfortable with discussing that. You know, and I'm I'm really glad that you shared that. Yeah, of course. Um, so what what are some things that ha- um well I guess we already asked that. So how how many do you know how many broken bones you've had? Um, uh, not exactly. I I've always rough estimated probably around seventy ish, maybe a little more. Um Maybe fifty. I'm I, I'm not entirely sure. What I did right. what I do know is at birth I had twenty one broken bones. Wow. And- so th- this would be something interesting to talk about. So a lot I've heard and I've kind of looked into the uh, condition and whatnot. Did you did they know right away what you had? Yes. Um. When I was you know when I was still growing, um, like in my mom. Uh, they thought I had type 2, and they didn't think I was going to make it through birth. Wow. Yeah, that's what they told me. Uh, well, I was, when I was adopted at four years old, they told me my genetics looks like I'm type 2, but then an, I ended up developing a 3-4 because my genetics weren't right because of all the malnutrition and whatnot mm-hmm. in Bulgaria and whatnot. So, yeah, that's interesting how we both had type 2, and then we both ended up with type 3-4. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. I also I'm not entirely sure how reliable the genetic testing was back uh back in the ninety nine. Right. Yeah. So you yeah you were born in ninety nine just like me. That's yeah. right. So how do you know how many surgeries you've had? I've had so bone related. I've had five. Okay, and so. Is there other ones besides the bone related? Uh, yes. Um, I had a hernia when I was like an infant, and then just another small procedure when I was like thirteen. Um, but my bone related ones, I had a rotting surgery in my right arm when I was mm-hmm. eight, but it failed twice actually. It so. Um, the first time it failed, they tried putting it back in, and then it failed again, and they ended up just taking the rod out. 
Okay, so and I know you had you were saying you had the back fusion too, right? Yeah. So and I went to the hospital. I go to a hospital in Delaware. I'm sure the others with oh I know what it is, uh, Dupont, in, yeah, in Delaware. Um, I had so they call it a halo traction surgery. Yeah. Um, yep. I had that on September 10th. I was in halo traction for four weeks to basically help stretch out my neck and my spine. Right. To make it easier to fuse. Um, they so like I had thirty four pounds by the end of it. Uh, like stretching out my body. Wow. Um, it, it was a it was a lot more painful than I was told it would be. So it, mm-hmm. was, it was interesting uh, to say the least. What? Like, was it hard to adapt to it? Because I know you have to have that. Because I've seen um like the halos where did you still get to be use your wheelchair? No, they, I had to use everything that was custom for the Halo. So, uh, unfortunately, I don't like bathroom chairs, but I had to use uh, a special bathroom chair that had the, like, pulley system for the Halo built into it. Right. I had to use a custom wheelchair. Uh, were, you a- were you able to move around yourself with the wheelchair, or did someone have to assist you? Um, I could but like it, it was pretty challenging also considering mm-hmm. i have never really owned a manual chair so my arms are like okay. used to that motion so typically uh someone pushed it for me also there was weight on the back of the chair so it made that even harder right um so how did you feel when some so when someone helps you or has to help you with your everyday life how do you feel about that? Um, my my opinion on that changes all the time. It, I, I strive to be independent, always, always have, always will. And sometimes I could be a bit stubborn about asking for help. Right, same here. Yeah, but at the same time, it's always nice to have the help when I do need it. And if mm-hmm. I didn't have it, I probably wouldn't know what to do half the time. Right, and that, yeah, that's always good. And so, do you know who to ask for help when they, when you do need that help? Um, it depends on the situation. Like I said, um, like if I need to get in the truck where my wheelchair can't go, usually my dad will help me. Um, like he'll pick right. me up and put me in the in the truck. Right. Um, for like stuff I can't reach, anyone can help me with that. It's pretty uh. Easy. Yeah, easy. Yeah, like even my five-year-old sister can help me with that. Oh, that's good. Um, and then another question that might bring in the picture. So, exactly how tall are you? I am three foot eight. And yeah, okay. And then if you if you don't want to answer this question, that's fine. But how much do you like weigh? Because I know it's all different with OI people. Um, so I I don't mind answering, but I am uh pretty overweight. I. When I got discharged from the hospital, I was weighed at 110, and mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure with the pandemic, and uh, no, I'm not pretty sure. I can guarantee you I've gained weight <laughs> being home. Well, you know, and I think a lot of people have, so don't ever feel bad about that. A lot of us, shoot, I, I started gaining weight at the beginning of the pandemic, and then I was like, then I started working out, but it's, you know, a lot of people are gaining weight, but like, that's interesting because... I, at one point in my life, I was 115, I'm exactly four feet, I was 115, 
and they call that obese. And now I'm at 95, and they still claim that it's obese. And, you know, I think the biggest thing, it's so interesting that people, like, claim that it's obese. But if we're able to live our everyday life, that should ma- that's what matters, I feel like. Yeah, of course. And it's also, like, uh, when I, I try to look up, like, the average weight, uh, for my height, and it really, it can't add up, because our BMI is different with, like, our body shape, so there, yes, there really is no way to know, unless it's from a doctor that specializes in our condition. Right, and that's, that's, um, because I, I go to the um, National Institute of Health, mm-hmm. and my doctor, she's, like, a big researcher, and I, with our condition, and she, like, has OI mice and all that, Dr. Marini, and, it was so interesting. She brought, she's done a research on different, like with the different types of a condition with a female and a male mm-hmm. and the like where our lining should be. And it was so interesting, like, because I'm, we're both two different, we collide with two different types, three and four. We had to kind of put in the middle and they were like, they told me 75. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm going to weigh as much as I want it, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, as long as your health is good and your ability to get around, that's what matters. Mm-hmm. I guess that's exactly. how that works. Yeah. So, another question is, what point of your life has has your disorder, your dis- dis- disabled, um, or OI, affected you? Uh, like the most, you mean? Yeah. Um, I would say the past, like, two and a half years, or actually, no, three years. Um, since I, I graduated high school in 2017, um, and I was never able to get a job in the past three years. Well, no, I lied. I worked for Target uh, by me, but I had no transportation other than, like, my parents. Um, and then when school started that fall, and my sisters went back to school, my parents were, like, Working, they couldn't really drive me anymore, so I had to leave that job. And there's no reliable, uh, like, accessible public transportation for me in my area. So I couldn't go to school, I can't go to work, and that that situation so, hasn't really changed in the past three years. Right, so ha- have you ever considered moving eventually? Uh, yes, of or- course. I would love to move, and... My my parents actually do too. It's just uh, it, it it's a lot to it's a lot of work for our family since we're we're right. a relatively big and family. Right, and that's yeah, and that's kind of where I was, yeah. How would your parents feel like that? Because a lot of some parents like don't don't know. So would you like would you say growing up throughout your life? Did they do a lot, or did they teach you how to be independent in some um, I would say a lot of both. Uh, there there was periods of time where I depended on my parents a lot more than I Times, like I said, where I was stubborn, where I determined to do things on my own. And, right, and that's, yeah. like, what are some examples that you were determined to do on um, your own? So... Oddly enough, the uh, bathroom situation, I was never really able to get in the shower by myself or, like, turn on the water, stuff like that. Just simple things that you, that any other person would think, oh, hey, I do that 
like it's nothing it's just basically involuntary um but right. like getting on the toilet going into the shower uh i wasn't really able to do that independently until i was actually like 14 wow that's interesting um so you all so someone always yeah. had to help you with that. um but I, the the person that taught me how to overcome that was actually my high school gym teacher. She's the one who taught me how to get upstairs and stuff. And yeah, wow. she um, she did a lot for me, and it gave me a huge amount of independence at home. Like yeah. that's amazing. So, how does your condition affect in the public? Like the bathroom or reaching something or uh that's uh let's say a store for example, like let's say Walmart or Target. Um I'm usually always with someone when I go to the store. Uh so right. like bring carrying stuff around. I have never really thought about or like reaching something I can't reach. Uh, right, because Yes, and like with transportation, I'm assuming you don't drive. So it's, yeah, and uh, do you think you'll be able Um, to drive one day? That I, hopefully I'll find that out, depending on how this pandemic goes, either by the end of this year or sometime next year, um, based on like how my neck is, because now I have limited range Mm -hmm. of motion in my neck. Um, So I'll have to like get tested uh, to see if I'm able to. And then I definitely want to be able to one day because that's my next thing I want to be independent of, just getting around. Right. And then I also do want to live on my own, of course, like any other person would. Right. And so, okay, that's, yeah, that's very interesting. So I guess here's another question about the public. Mm-hmm. How do people perceive you as being, do they look at you as easy to take a judgmental of being in a wheelchair? Um, yes, uh, and it, I used to let it bother me a lot, mm-hmm. uh, it, it used to be very hard, uh, one time I was eight, um, just a quick story, uh, we were moving, and we were getting, like, new furniture at a store, and I remember being in, a, it was either, like, a cart or a stroller, because it was just easier than bringing my wheelchair to the store, um, and I was small enough that I could be in that. Right. Um, so it was, it was just easier. Um, but anyways, there was this family, there was this dad and his daughter that came by, and the dad was pointing out to the daughter, like, hey, look at that baby, isn't he cute? I was eight, by the way, I don't know if I said that. Um, yeah. And I, I remember looking him dead in the eye, and I just said, I am eight. <laughs> Good for you. And then the mother came over 20 seconds later, and she said the same exact thing. She said, oh, honey, look at the baby. He's so adorable. And I remember the dad whispering in her ear, and she just kind of looked at me, like almost a look of horror and confusion. And then they just kind of walked away. Yeah, see, like, people, because there's another family that has my condition up in Bay City. Um, okay. And... They are, like, a lot smaller than me. And even the mom is, because she had the twins and whatnot. And it was so interesting because, 
my my that my you know it because a lot of people are judgmental and say oh hey how are you I see you have a makeup channel you know on YouTube oh my gosh and it's not me it's someone else that has the same condition in the community <laughs> and they all or like they'll say I look like the, the sun but she has blonde hair and he's twice as small as me and it's just and you know people take judgment or you know I mean they miss like, at least they're aware of my uh, condition. Mm. Oh, I'm sorry. I think it's interesting how they misjudge who we really are. Yes. And so, and then the other thing is, like, a lot of, like, I don't care if, like, kids stare at me or, so do you care if kids or elders stare at you, I guess? Uh, but... You know, I both bother me, but it's more understanding if kids do it. It actually annoys me severely if an older person does it, because I expect them to at least, if not understand, be respectful about it. Right. And so, like, like for my instance, a lot of, a lot of younger people, or a lot of little kids, I would, like the little kids, I would rather them come up to me and have a discussion and let the parents come up and talk to me and ask questions. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that situation? Um, I used to, like, I, I was, I still am sometimes, but I was very insecure about it. I wasn't really a big fan of it. Um, like, I felt embarrassed when kids came and asked me that. Um, but kind of more accepting of my life. I guess you could say, like, it's easier to answer those questions, especially to kids. Um, but, like, there's some questions that I'm sure you can relate to as well that, like, people ask me that I just think are so stupid. Like, yeah. Like, people just don't understand. No. And, like, see, and I know this, um, a lady I work with, and it was just really interesting she came up to me because I'm super, like, really close with them. Mm-hmm. And she, she's the mom. She had these two little boys. I think there was two or three of them. And she mentioned, she's like, how would you want my, like, kids to precede you? Or how would they, would you want them to come up and ask questions or whatnot? And that's kind of when I took the trigger of, like, I would re- really like for the kids to come up. Because when they get older, they're going to, you know, this generation is so wrapped around negativity and hatred and so I think it's super interesting how that how that really triggered for me to open up and let kids come up to me and stuff and you know I don't care if kids come up to me but like elders that are in a wheelchair and talk with me about my condition or question all this and that but the millennials and the it just it drives me nuts our age so it drives me nuts like and I and I almost wonder, is that from them not being approached when they were younger, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it very well could be. I'm, I'm actually help, uh, hoping that with everything that's going on in America right now, um, that, like, the future generations of kids are taught more and more understanding of mm-hmm. people that are quote-unquote different. Yes. And... Yeah, because if I, if like growing up, 
like the bullying was on, like just in person. It was always in person. Yeah. And if sense. you notice, as we got older, it became cyberbullying, and they had a lot more mean stuff to say. Yeah, because they can hide behind their screens. Right. Exactly. So, have you had experiences with the social media aspect of affecting your disability? Uh, yes. Um, I, when I used to, well, I still do sometimes, but not as much. Um, I would would say talking to a random person online. Um, mm-hmm. They would be. But you're gaming, right? Yeah. When I when I'm playing video games. Uh, yeah. And they would be very judgmental of my voice. They would think I'm, like, eight years younger than I really am. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, this one time, somebody said I sounded like, just an example, I sounded like Spongebob on crack. Yeah, and that's a lot of of kids don't know how to adapt with the quote-unquote different, you know, like you said. Yeah. I don't think... They weren't raised to what to say and what not to say, I think. Mm-hmm. Or they were, but they don't tell their parents, they, the parents don't say it. You know, I think that's, you know, very, a very scary thing. I hope, like you said, this pandemic makes a change in it and hopefully does what's better for it. Yeah, the pandemic and the riots, honestly. I, I, I'm. I am really hoping for a, a huge change in society and how we talk about things. Yes. So during this pandemic, do you think it's changed people's minds of how to think? Um, it it kind of seems a bit divided. There's people that think that this pandemic should be ignored and that nothing should have ever been closed and it's not doing anything to help anyone. But then there's the people, um, and this is where I kind of uh, agree with, there's the people that are like, why would we want to risk our lives and any other person's lives? Just be safe, stay at home. It's not hurting anyone. If you could work from home, you could work from home. If, If you can't, yes, that's unfortunate. And I, I feel for the people, I have family members that are going through that. Um, but you, you got to just think about other people. I, I understand money is a struggle right now. But the people mm-hmm. that do realize that, I, I think they're realizing that more and realizing what the real priorities are. Yes. Um, the people that haven't really been abiding by the lockdown restrictions or the rules. Um, I think some of the bigger influences are going to receive a lot of criticism for that. And I'm sure there will be a lot more people learning those same priorities. Right. And I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. And so I wanted to ask another question. Oh, what was that? Here? Um, so having... Well, and then, like, this comes in with, like, the mentality. So how does OI... Oh, no, I wanted to ask you a question before that. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So what... When was it... Because I know you were saying you had a hard time accepting your condition. So when was it that you started accepting your condition? And was there something that triggered that 
to be you to be accepted by it? Um, I would say when I started becoming more independent, so probably when I was fifteen, sixteen, is when I started to become okay with where I was and who I was. Um, but it was really when I found out about my surgery that I was going to have last fall. And I started meeting people with my condition and realizing, that, you know, I mean, I knew all along, but I never really talked about it with anyone that I had people that are going through the same struggles with me. Um, I had a girlfriend who knew, it, like, she was there for me. She, uh, she understood everything. Like, I didn't have to feel awkward about saying, hey, I sneezed today and I broke a rib. Right. She understood that, and anyone else was all I understands that too. Right, and like with the procedures and how much it it takes on us. Yeah. And so, would you ever say your surgeries affected the person you are today mentally? Uh, I would say the only surgery that's done that is my most recent, um, because it's made me more in touch with. Uh, people like me, like it's got me more involved in the community. Uh, I've gotten more confident in some areas of like of myself. I um, I I still have bad anxiety uh, and and other mental issues. Um, but like it's it's helped me a lot to be a stronger person. That's good. At and least, so at least physically, I should say. Right. And that's like and that's a very it's I feel like because I've had a several I have had fifty six surgeries and I would say throughout all the surgeries, it's my most recent too. And it's just it's very interesting like how when we were younger we don't really take it on mentally. We just kind of went with it. Yeah, exactly. But now as we get older, it takes a toll on us. And I, and so I just, that, I thought, I think that's something interesting that triggers, you know. Mm-hmm. So when was the last time you broke a bone? Um, if you count ribs, and I don't count them because it, it, I can't do anything about it when I do. And I just kind of have to deal with it. But if you do count them, I think I broke my rib in, I want to say February. Okay, so what, okay, that does count. But was another one a bigger bone or don't you? Um, the last, wait, let's say limb that I broke. Uh, I broke my right arm when I was 17 in the summer. I slipped down a uh, pool stair. And kind of, like, landed on my arm. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. Um, As I've gotten older and stronger, my breaks have become a lot less frequent. But I know that's not going to always be a thing. Because when I probably get into my 30s or 40s, it'll Mm -hmm. probably become more frequent again. Right. And that's, yeah, that's what I've heard, too. Like, Like, in my age, like, when I hit menopause or when a girl menopause they they tend to break more yeah it's like you become an elder you know you at that age like elders break a lot older people so we become like that 
and like what before we hit puberty or whatever, that's another session we played quite a bit. A place, you know, and when I uh, right before I like a couple of years before I hit puberty, so probably from like seven to maybe eleven mm-hmm. or twelve, um, I was breaking every three months. Wow, was it a lot of bigger bones? Yeah, it was it, always my limbs, like uh, both arms, both legs. Um, mm-hmm. It, uh, I thankfully I've never hurt like my head. Um, I've never hurt my back other than surgery that I had. So it's usually my major breaks have been my limbs. Right. Yeah. And that's in here. Yeah. And so I'm gonna ask you. Two, two more questions. Okay. So what are some hobbies you can do with being in your condition? Uh, video games is one. Uh, probably my favorite. Um, I love camping. Uh, my grandpa has uh, a camper in the state next to me, like at a campsite. Uh, I love doing that because there's people uh, I could see. I could go swimming. Uh, I love fishing. Um... I like. I used to be really big into chess. I went to tournaments all the time. Uh, my best friend was actually my teacher, um, so we we played we played chess a lot uh, when we were like preteens, I guess. Yeah, um, and a bit younger than that. And um, I I still like chess. It, I just haven't been to a tournament. In many years, right? Yeah. Um. Uh, so, yeah, fishing, camping, swimming, video games, chess, uh, being with friends, and yeah, friends more than anything, really. Right. I'm, I'm a very. <laughs> I said this to a friend of mine one time. I am the most extroverted introvert that you'll probably ever meet. Yeah. Because there, there's days where I want nothing to do with anyone. I just want to be alone. And then there's days where I'll, where I'll beat myself up because I just want to be around people. Yeah, and I'm the same way. Like, And there's, like, some things that people do, but, like, and it, it's something sometimes we can't do. So, like, I love being outdoors, for instance. Mm-hmm. So let's say going tubing and up on the boat. It's not easy for us to really do that. Right like anyone else. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like a downfall. And when you look at someone, you're like, I want to do that, but you can't or be around people. And you're like, you can't do it. Um, exactly. Yeah. So the last question I'm going to ask you is what, what are some goals you have for the future? So, um, like I said before, I want, uh, to be able to drive one day soon, uh, be able to live on my own. My dream career is um, being a film editor for uh, like a major film production company. Uh, I I found a natural talent in that in high school, and I really enjoy doing it. Um, I would love to have a family one day, uh, and I do like I want. I want to, yeah, I want to have kids, I want to, I want to have pets, stuff like that. Just, yeah. So this might be, a, this might be an interesting, um, 
question you don't have to answer it if you don't want to okay. but would you see yourself being with someone without condition or not without condition or either or um i i still think about this i that right now i'm kind of scared to be with someone without our condition because i feel like they won't be as understanding or accommodating or maybe it'll be more intimidating to be with someone that I might have to rely on. Whereas someone with our condition, we're kind of like on an even playing field. Does that make sense? Right. And like, I feel more sure about myself and I we can both understand each other in the same exact way. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I like that concept. And so do you have any questions for me? Um, so you said that you had 56 surgeries, right? Right. Um, but how, how has that all, like, so, affected your mental state and everything, if you don't mind me asking that? No, no. And so I will say, like, throughout my years, the surgeries, like, the surgeries really never affected me or healing, like, even the healing wasn't bad. Like, what, what the last few have really affected me. I've had, um, I have dental situations with my teeth. So, they had to take all, because, like, my bone kept breaking in the jaw and stuff. Okay. So, they had to take out all that boning out, and they had to do little pieces by piece. When they did the surgery, they had to start with the bottom, and then do the top. They had to start the bottom with, um, putting implants in because my bottom bone was a lot better than my top bone. So they did the bottom and they put implants in and that that was like two surgeries. And then they did the top and the first surgery was a they had to take out the bone. Then my second surgery was they had to put cow bone in and hormones in with that. And then the third one was putting implants in. So wait, there's five. And so I would say the mouth surgery is worse than a, having a bone, re, a rod replaced or whatnot. Yeah, I but I will say, like, as I said, like, the younger days, it wasn't really, didn't really occur to me. I think because I just had my mom just do it all. I didn't know anything. I just, well, I knew, but I didn't put all the worries on me about it. Yeah, I completely understand that. Yeah, and so as I got this last surgery, it was I live alone. I had to make my own medical decisions, advocate for myself, do all this stuff. And, like, my best friend was throughout it all. You know, that's my mi- biggest motivation. And she, you know, it, it was probably one of the hardest surgeries. They had to do an um, osteotomy. A lot of people question that. You probably, Do you know what that is? That's like when they take a part of a bone out, right? It's when they break the bone. Oh, okay. Well, it could be, yeah. Either, like, you could replace the bone or you break the bone. To straighten it, because without, you know, with our legs or whatever, we have that bowing. Okay. And so, they had to break my femur. Now, I'm older, the bone's more mature. It kept, it was harder to break. And so, they broke it in two or three spots to straight out the rod. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, to this day, it's still healing. A year, it would have been a year, May 29th, that it's occurred. 
and it's just interesting how that surgery took everything out of my mentality compared to all the other ones. I think I remember uh, seeing something on Facebook about that, and it was it was yeah. inspiring to see that, honestly, to see how you overcame all that. Um, thank you, you know, and I just, you know, I don't really see, I will say, I don't really see myself as a condition because the people I'm really close with don't see me as a condition. Yeah, same here, and I'm glad that uh, we had that in common. Yeah, oh, I am too, and so, so I think, you know, it, it's just because it, the mentality part, this condition, I, I wouldn't change the world for having this condition because it's made me the person I am today. How is your input on that? Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, I feel like if I didn't have my condition yet, I, I wouldn't have nearly the same friends or uh, have done the same things that I have today. Um, where, yes, of course, some things would be easier, but right. what, what's the fun in it being easy? <laughs> Right, exactly. No, absolutely. And so, and it makes, and I think a condition can take, you know, someone else that can't, claims that they can't do much, but when they look at us, they're like, wow, you know, it could be a worse scenario. And I, my thing is, I think a condition, it could be always worse. Yes. It always could be worse. So that's kind of what I look at when it comes to being a condition. And so, that that was just one thing I think would be is very interesting. Yeah, it, it, for sure. Uh, and I know there is people that uh, have more difficult situations than we do. Right. No, absolutely. I agree. And so, yeah, is that all the questions you have, or no? Do you have any more? Um, I can't. I can't. Oh, um. What's your thoughts? I, I know I've talked to other people um, that aren't entirely comfortable with it, but um, or with doing it, I mean. But, like, do you think one day, if you wanted to, I'm not saying you do or don't, but do you think it would be safe for you to be able to have kids? Or do you think you would... Um, yes, yeah. and that's, that's kind of what, it's a very interesting question because it's all, it's a, you you don't know it's a 50-50 chance with the, having a condition. Exactly. And so, you know, I guess I look at the mom that had the twins. If she mm-hmm. could do it, I, you know, I could do it. Yeah, exactly. So you never know I, until you try. Right. And I think even if I had someone with my condition, at least I have my condition so I can explain them how to get through things. You know, how, you know, because, you know, if you have a parent, like, our parents are, like, able body, mm-hmm. And so, you know, having a kid and they can come to the mom or whatever because they understand that we have the same situation. Yeah. Uh... And, you know, honestly, I would, I'd like to have someone without a condition, but at the same time, I wouldn't mind having someone with a condition. I think, I I think it depends on the person, and you know, like, yeah, if you're happy, you're happy. I, yeah, I, I think it should just. 
I think you should just let it and let it go and see where where, where you end up with it. Absolutely. I think, you know, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And so if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Like, I want to have one and then adopt one because I've been adopted. So I definitely want to take in the consideration of adopting, too. How would you input on that? Um, I would, yeah, I see what you mean by adopting. I, and I, I'm not saying I wouldn't adopt, but I've always wanted to have my own kids. Mm-hmm. I know, I know it's a risk and I haven't completely thought that through because I'm stubborn like that. Right. <laughs> but I, I know I, I, it would be, I, it would be nice to adopt. Yeah. And that's, and that maybe like. Because I've been in that, I'm adopted as well. That's kind of where I see the concept. But yeah. like in your position, it's understandable because you weren't adopted. But I know a lot of children with our condition have been adopted because parents didn't know how to work, um, be with them, or know what to adapt to, and so yeah, exactly. And that that would probably be exactly why I would adopt. Yeah, and I honestly. I don't want to, I want to adopt someone with dwarfism, not a condition, but dwarfism. Yeah, that, and that's great. I know. It sounds weird, but it's cool. I think it'd be cool. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of my consideration. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. So I think we should um, probably wrap it up. Okay. So you don't have any other questions or do you? Or? Uh, I, no, I don't. Okay, so I was. It was really nice interviewing you. I'm glad we got to know you and bring out to the world of what our condition is like, and yeah, me too. two of us talking about our lives. And so yeah. I hope p- other people can take on to this. And I hope you enjoyed the time. I did, and, and thank you for having me as well. Yeah, you are welcome. I'm really glad to have you. Thank you. So I will. Um, let you know when I, I'm gonna put this together and then I'll send it to you. Okay. Sounds All good. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yep. Bye bye.